Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I am your host. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us on the show today, we have John Feynman of Inner City Weightlifting coming to you from Cambridge in Boston, Massachusetts. John, what's going on, man? How are we? I am well. I appreciate you having me and and opportunity to get out of this snowy storm for a little bit. <laughs> Those of us in the Northeast, we we deal with this this part of the year. So anyway, uh, our conversation, John, will will focus on inner city weightlifting and what you've learned and, and what you do now and where we're going in the future. But for some context and for some background info, for people who aren't familiar with the inner city brand, how do we describe this? When you tell people what inner city weightlifting is, what do you talk about? So we're, we're a nonprofit organization. Uh, we specifically work with people through the gym and through our career track and personal training, work with people who have been both impacted by mass incarceration and have extra barriers around their safety due to involvement in gun violence. And the gym acts first and foremost as a community, this place where we can build relationships and, and partner with each individual. The career track then not only creates these pathways to economic mobility as personal trainers, but also flips all the traditional power dynamics. You get CEOs of companies, young up and coming professionals coming to our gyms, not to do something for someone, but because they value that person as a fitness professional. And that relationship at the individual level, it challenges the stereotypes that we have as a society, challenges this ability to blame and pathologize because now you're connected with someone who you care about in that shared humanity, you understand each other's circumstances. So that's the much larger mission and vision of ICW, but the tool, the medium of the gym and personal training, that's how we amplify the voice and agency of people in our program to have that much larger systemic impact starting at that mm. individual level. Yeah. Now I, I talk to all kinds of business owners and personal trainers and CEOs and whatever the title is and fitness in and of itself draws a crowd that are interested in helping people. There's this, this subtle nobility of at the core of this, we just want to figure out how can I give back in some meaningful way. You guys embody this more than most because of how things are structured this specifically being a nonprofit designation, things operate a little bit differently, but at the end of the day, this is still a business and, and money in versus money out is, is an important scoreboard here, but there's a, a bigger mission that, that sort of is our North Star that guides everything else. Am I understanding properly? Absolutely correct. You know, we operate what people would see as a personal training studio, uh, along with corporate training services. But when you look under the hood, it's a very different operation. Yeah, a little bit different equipment and, and infrastructure, at least. Now, take us back, John. I think it's it's important to acknowledge how we got here just as much as where we're going. And so in the early days of this, when the idea was just formulating in your head for inner city weightlifting, what was going on for you? And what was the catalyst that got this all started? Yeah, yeah so 
the idea started to form my first year out of undergrad in 2005. Uh, I played soccer at Bryant University, uh, did a year with AmeriCorps in a program called Athletes in Service to America. And it was through soccer, I had a chance to meet some people in MS-13. And everyone warned me how dangerous what I did was. Me being this, you know, fairly small white guy from Amherst, Massachusetts, politically correct college town. Uh, I didn't see the overwhelming violence and danger that everyone warned me of. I saw people who loved each other. And when you see people expressing love, you're forced to wrestle with the nuance of a human being, their circumstance, their shared humanity. And so for me, the people I'd worked with during that year had a profound impact on me on my stereotypes and labels that I had been taught growing up and the role I was playing in perpetuating systemic racism and, and, and inequities. And so end of that year, I left and became a, a full-time personal trainer, tried to stay in touch with some of the people I, I had met, but, but ultimately didn't. And I love personal training. And I ended up two years later, all of a sudden with 56 sessions in my schedule each week, making about 120 K at the age of 24, not bad change up from an $800 AmeriCorps stipend yeah. a week or a month rather. Um, a little bit of a change. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, not a bad one when you don't have to start counting the pennies that you're spending on Dunkin' Donuts coffee as your, your like splurge on the weekend. Yeah. Um, and it was actually one of my personal training clients. This person who, who was you know, a consultant to CEO is a Harvard Business School professor. And, and it'll kind of circle back into some of the stuff we talked about where, where about flipping power dynamics. Like, in no other setting should this person be taking advice from me, except for in this unique setting of the personal training studio, where I knew more than this person did. And so she said something pretty simple that just got me thinking more on this day. She said, you're a great trainer, but you strike me as more of an entrepreneur. I never thought of myself like that before. I think she was trying to get me thinking and distracted mm. so she could take a little extra rest time between her sets. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure. But the mind tricks of the yeah. <laughs> that that led to this conversation that led me to start talking about Alexa, one of the individuals who I'd met during that year. And this idea that weight training, initially specifically Olympic lifting, could be used as a medium to work with people who society had very falsely labeled and weaponized this fear to rationalize our otherwise irrational solutions like mass incarceration like a lot of the individual actions that stem from racism. And so I ended up going back to Babson to get my MBA, uh, to figure out how to launch a sustainable nonprofit, got a bootstrap pilot model off the ground in 2010, and very quickly evolved from Olympic lifting to more of a career track and personal training. We knew that weight training by itself was a great medium to meet with people, to flip or at least get rid of those power dynamics. But in itself, it's not helping someone out. Not when you're forced to think about rent, food, utilities, your family. But the career track and personal training, it could create real economic mobility. Do that first few years, start to build a client base. And we start seeing that the impact isn't just on the people in our program. The more profound impact is of the people in our program, on our personal training clients, on people like me. Talking about understanding and valuing each other before judging someone before playing into those fears that we've all been taught that when you trace them back in history 
have been very deliberate and weaponized to cater to racism and inequities. And so that's kind of the quick evolution to where we are today, where we don't just see ourselves as a gym or a career track in personal training, but really a social justice organization, leveraging the social enterprise of personal training to amplify the voice and agency of people in our program. Now, this, is, this has been quite a long time coming. And so how it started in the early days and how it looks today, I'm sure is, is vastly different. But what is, in your mind, the biggest difference between how you guys operate in 2023 versus the early iteration of getting this off the ground? The, the earliest iteration was an entirely flawed belief stemming from my naive concepts of what I thought would work. Yeah, I thought it was as simple as, you know, we're going to get people in the Olympics and college athletic scholarships. This model did not start off with the right intended impacts. The one part, though, that I and we did get right is that this was going to be an authentic partnership between the people in our program and anyone who is going to be a coach. And that allowed us to evolve in a way where it's not about you know, can we set PRs in the Olympic? If someone wants to do that, great. If someone wants to come in though and just do 45 minutes of arm curls and that's going to get them coming back the next day. It's not my idea of a great workout, but hey, the time in here is, is more Better than, than the alternatives. Exactly. So you know, when I look at us back then, it was really just this weight training club uh, and, and a pretty flawed model. When I look at us today, we're training Fortune 500 companies. We're having CEOs of, of companies come into our gyms and, and train with our trainers, participants in our program. Uh, and I keep highlighting the CEOs, but I do want to be careful because there's nothing special about a CEO other than the influence they can have in their, in their company. But the young up-and-coming professionals, too, that go back and talk to their families differently, that act differently to back up that talk, that's the real kind of individual change that this company is about today. That was in no way, shape, or form any part of our business model back in, in 2010. Interesting. Okay. Now, this we mentioned a, a handful of times already. This is registered as a nonprofit, but we still have the same sort of challenges that for-profit businesses have and that we need to get people through the doors for this to, to all function. Over the years you've been doing this, John, from a marketing standpoint, what's proved fruitful? What's maybe not worked out so well? What have you guys done? To us, and to me, this is similar to back when I was a personal trainer. First and foremost, quality. Quality being certainly how much do you know about fitness and how can you individualize that for a client? But quality is also the community, that relationship that you have. So, yeah, as far as the financial breakdown of our organization, 25% of it is earned revenue. Our personal training clients, our corporate training clients, some events and, and, and merchandise sales. Um, the vast majority is philanthropic donations. And a lot of that is stemming from the very clients who we have coming into our gym, from them as individuals and from their companies. So when we thought about marketing and growing the business, we knew each time someone came in here, this isn't just an opportunity for a trainer in our program to make money. This is an opportunity to get another stakeholder engaged in our community, in our organization. And so up until fairly recently, it's been really driven by word of mouth. 
making sure that we're sending our clients out of here, not just with a great workout, but a great story about the organization they want to bring their friends to. And so now as we look at marketing and growing, yeah, we've dabbled some in social need, but you know, I feel like we're, we're a relatively small organization, about 4 million a year in revenue. Yeah, we're not competing with the major gyms in social media advertising. That's a good point here. It's it's crowded. And I also don't think in general, the quality of leads that you get is not the same as when you can just get out there and and be and being a nonprofit, it gives us that advantage where we can show up at companies and, and put on a lunch and learn. And now it's not just that someone knows where our gym is right around the corner but they also want to be a part of this mission. And so we kind of really leverage word of mouth and, and really focused event advertising to make sure that we're marketing the places where we think we can pull the most clients, but also making sure that the leads that we're getting are, are quality if we only have so much time to spend and money is spent. That's That last part is is the real kicker on all of this because as you mentioned, we don't have the budget, we don't have the manpower to go head to head with insert whatever large corporation of fitness makes sense to you here. We can't, it doesn't make sense for us to, to get in a battle of who can spend more on advertising. So we need to be far more tactical about where we're spending our time and where we're spending our dollars. For you guys, a lot of that comes in the form of, I mean, we'll, we'll put it under the label of guerrilla marketing, but getting out into the community, shaking hands, kissing babies, putting on events, doing what we can to, to make our name known and sort of brand awareness. And then pairing that, you mentioned some social media piece of this. I think the fitness industry is so heavily reliant on social media. And like you said, it can be crowded. It can get flooded. But at the end of the day, it's still where people are spending a good deal of their time. And so it, it becomes this sort of necessary evil, if you will. I don't, I don't like to yeah. paint it in that light, but it's, it is what it is. Now, from a, a sales process, there's kind of two avenues that people go for you guys. Walk me through kind of both of those. Somebody's interested in coming to the gym either as a, a sponsored participant or as a paying client, walk me through those processes and how it actually takes place for that person to then be registered as a new member. Yeah. So for a participant, we meet with all of our participants offsite first. The model is actually broken down into four stages, trust, hope, bridging social capital, and then economic mobility. Now, the reason why we do that is that we're really careful because we work with people who do have safety considerations not to mix people who don't want to be around each other or have people in areas of the city that they don't want to be around. So a lot of that first stage of the participant is starting to build that trust where, where we can understand they're willing to tell us. Um, now, when you do it right, it doesn't take that long, but it's also an opportunity for us to understand, does this person have an ID? Do they uh, need their birth certificate? Do, like, we'll pay for all that for someone. So it's not just about careers and personal trainers about how can we leverage our network and our resources to help tackle the barriers together um once that person's proved now they come to the gym and now they can either just be involved in in the gym by itself uh in case management and job placement or they can go into our personal training uh, uh 
personal training career track, really up to each person. Uh, as far as a client goes, generally they're gonna hear of us through, through word of mouth. Uh, they'll reach out to us through email or the website. One of our team members will talk with them over the phone, figure out which location might make sense for them. And, and part of that too is an opportunity for them to understand that, yes, you're in a great workout, but you're also gonna be part of this greater social mission. Um, and, and so it's this real opportunity to start to get to know each other. Generally speaking, most of our clients will start with the starter pack. So it's the consultation and the first workout um, so we can get someone up and running and then ideally have them jump onto our membership list. Got it. Okay, so one of two routes, depending on where they're coming from and where they're trying to go. Beyond that, this is such a unique value proposition here, John. As the leader of all of this, what do you focus on to to retain these people? How are we getting people to come back time and time again? Yeah, you know, it's, it, it comes down to culture, the community that we have, and ultimately that comes down to us, our, our staff, our participants. What you know, how are we treating each person, whether it's a participant, a client, or a staff, every time they come in? And I also want to be careful here. Is there's all this talk about, oh, you have to treat everyone. All, all, all happy and peachy and yeah. There are also some people who are just sadly don't work out. You know, so part of it is this when I talk about treating people right. It's this balance of accountability. You know, it's not this kind of punish punishment punitive stage, but you know, the gym is a place where we can all be together. Yes, when we're talking about staff, when we're talking about our trainers. It's also this opportunity where we can push each other to grow, and the way we do that. And this starts to kind of, I think, answer the question a little bit more. I think too often people focus on problems by highlighting what a person is doing wrong, rather than highlighting the person, rather than highlighting the problem, and talking about it in a unifying sense. When you start to do that, you're able to create this community where where you're able to hold each other accountable. You're able to create this this incredible community where people can talk and disagree but ultimately share that same thread of objective, of values. Yep. And I think when you start there, that's how you get people coming back is, is um, you know, yes, the workout is good, but I love the way I feel when I'm in that gym. I love the yep. conversations that are happening. That's the kind of stuff that really gets people coming back. If I could, if I could summarize here, it's the experience, right? Could I go to one of probably a hundred different gyms in your area and get a similar workout probably, but what else is packaged in with that? What am I contributing to? What is the, as you mentioned, the bigger mission, the, the focus beyond just the 45 minutes or an hour that I'm actually working out. How do we create value for people? It all makes sense to me, John. And, and so our conversation to this point, How'd you get here? What do you do now? Paint me the future. Let us in on, on where you kind of see this whole thing going as inner city weightlifting progresses on. We are up and running in Chicago now as well. And we're in year three of our five-year strategic plan that is really focusing, focusing on three key areas, grow and strengthen our core, giving us the capacity and infrastructure to quadruple our impact numbers. Uh, two, scale across Boston, so to open up about four more sites over the next two and a half years now. 
uh, and to launch our next city in Chicago. And now the reason why we're so focused on depth in Boston and depth in Chicago is that while I would love to say we're going to be a national organization, we're going to be in every city, I don't know if we need to be. I don't know if I want to be. Uh, you know, the idea of fundraising in a national model is, you know, that's not what gets me up every day. It's going to be in the gym. Yep. <laughs> that, that, that's the fun part. You know, so the reason why I think depth in, in Boston, Chicago is that what happens when enough individuals connect? What happens when our brand, when our services reach enough people? If you're in Boston, where you no longer say or feel comfortable saying, don't cross Mass Ave on Tremont Street. If you're in Chicago, it doesn't matter if you're from North Side, South Side, West Side, you are all part of Chicago. I remember when Boston Strong happened after, after the uh, uh, very unfortunate and tragic marathon bombing. It's great the city came together like that. And yet, in the communities I'm in with our, with our participants, so I'm lucky enough to get to be a part of them. Too often, people are left out. Where was Boston strong when, when, when people are getting shot? Where's Boston strong when people are getting incarcerated for no real reason? Where's Boston strong when we want to blame and pathologize an individual without understanding our own history and creating the very circumstances that someone's up against through redlining, through Jim Crow, through mass incarceration, and through everything before that? Comic leasing, slavery, tearing families apart. Where was that then? And so I say all that because when people connect with each other as individuals, it does not matter to a certain extent what side of the political aisle you're on, what side of the social issue you're on. You are connected through each other's shared humanity. And what happens when you change enough individuals and all of a sudden they're talking differently to their social networks? All of a sudden you get perspectives to match the truth that is already known to the people most proximate to the challenges we otherwise apply labels and pathology to. And so by depth in Chicago and Boston, the goal is that we create a strong enough brand that we reach enough individuals, not the participants in our program, but everyone our participants are training, enough companies, enough individuals, clients, that all of a sudden we can expand across the nation not ourselves, but through collaboration, by teaching what we're doing. And the to me, that's a much effect. more efficient, yeah. To me, that's a much more efficient way for us to scale. Yeah. It's a, it's a far broader conversation, and I think worthwhile, certainly. I think it's it's a challenge because we always either look at it in how can I impact as big of a platform as I can, but you, you take it a step further and almost a step back of how can I just impact this person in front of me? Let's start there. And then what happens beyond that? So be it. I think it's, it's an incredibly important mission, John. We're running a bit shy on time, but I want to save a couple minutes here for you to, to shout out where people can learn more about this. Do you guys have a website? What are the social media links? How can people can find and connect with you? Uh, so our website, innercityweightlifting.org. I'm the worst millennial out there, and therefore we do have social media links. I don't know what those are. 
We'll find them. Honestly, the best way to get to know us, come by the gym, even if it's just for a visit. Uh, Email us. We'd love to show you what we do. And if you're interested in sign up for personal training or corporate training, uh, we'd love the opportunity to show you the quality of our our services. That's tremendous. John, this has been awesome, man. I really appreciate you for for giving a look behind the curtain into how this truly operates and, and what you think about as the leader of all of this. I'm excited to see where this whole thing goes. And and it sounds like guests still have some cards to be played and some big plans to take place. So that's all the time we have, but I appreciate you coming on and, and I wish you guys nothing but the best. Appreciate the opportunity to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. To everyone who tuned in, thank you as well. Don't forget, if you'd like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Emily Newton. And joining us on the show is Scott from fit to defend What's going on, Scott? How are you today? I'm doing fabulous. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for asking. Now, before we dive into the nitty-gritty of what you guys have going on at fit to defend first, tell us a little bit about how you describe your business to people and what made you want to start your gym in the first place. Sure. So I'm a professional martial art training center uh, that encompasses uh, overall wellness and character development. So uh, our business, as I said, primarily focused on teaching, giving or teaching people skills on how to defend themselves, um, whether that be just certain awareness uh, skills or tips uh, that can prevent them from being in bad situations or physical skills so kids or adults can learn how to protect themselves if ever attacked. Um, we also in the past and moving forward, we'll be adding more fitness aspects of things. So uh, like uh, circuit training classes or boot class, boot camp classes, uh, we're in the process of getting on yoga instructors implemented into our programs as well. Um, the, the second half of that question was, why do I do what I do? Um, well, the reason that I do what I do is because it changed my life, martial arts, and and I felt like if it could impact my life as much as it did, I felt that it could impact others people's lives as well. And, you know, I've been teaching martial arts uh, going on 28 years. Uh, I've trained close to 10,000 people. And uh, in that matter of time, I, I feel like I've changed many people's lives uh, through just not just the martial art aspect, but through the character developmental aspect that you gain through face being faced with challenges. And, yeah. um, and then, uh, yeah, so I think overall, that's the reason I wake up every morning is to kind of get that that feeling of satisfaction and feeling of fulfillment. You know, there's um, there's a I read a lot of books recently, and 
all the books kind of point out to what is your purpose, right? And purpose ultimately comes down to service. What service are you providing for yourself and for your community? And um, that's what I feel like I'm doing at this point. Yeah. So was there, is there anything in particular that happened like when you were growing up that made you decide to get into martial arts so heavy and then also serve a community in the way they do now? Yeah, so um, quick breakdown. So I come from a really big family. I have nine brothers and sisters. I have an identical twin brother. I'm the youngest of nine. And uh, growing up was very competitive, right? And uh, sometimes with that competitiveness, um, you become a little anxious, right? Um, and throughout school, I was becoming very anxious and worrying about things that maybe I didn't have control over. And I developed a thing called a stomach ulcer. And I was trying to avoid going to school because I was just building up these thoughts. And my parents recommended that I talk to a school counselor. So I did. And the school counselor um, asked me to join her and her son for a martial art class. And I went and I tried it with my twin brother, actually, at the time. And um, I fell in love with it. I loved the accountability that it had. I loved the, the principles that they taught in the martial arts. And um, we call them like words of the belts or words of the month. And they just really jived with me really well. And I felt that um, it was just it was just remarkable what certain words and follow through could do for somebody. And that's why I, I feel like I have continued doing it as long as I have. And uh, I've been really blessed because I've got to travel all around the world. I've, I fought in Japan. I fought pretty much in every state in the United States. Uh, and I've trained in multiple disciplines. So, um, yeah, I, I've, I've got the opportunity to train in um, six, seven different martial arts. I have four different black belts and four different martial arts. And um, it's just been a, it's been a great life that I've lived through the martial arts. So I would like yeah. to share that with other people. Absolutely. That's beautiful. Very well said. So let's talk a little bit about the gym now. Fit to Defend Academy. Um, yeah. How long have you guys been in business? Uh, we're going on six years right now uh, for our brick and mortar building. We, mm -hmm. We've been in business for six years, yes. Okay. And before you decided to open up your gym, did you have like any type of business background or experience with running your own business? Um, not my own business, but I had run three or four other gyms prior to having my own gym. Okay. Um, I started programs in those gyms and they became really successful. And then, um, uh, I had, uh, we found out that I was going to have a, a daughter. So the daughter was kind of the motivator that like, Hey, you probably should step out of your comfort zone and go open up your own gym. But as far as like business classes or anything, I took a couple of business classes at a local, uh, community college, but nothing that really taught you really much about what really takes it open up a gym or, or yeah. a business at that. Yeah. I gotcha. So do you feel like with your experience that you had, like running the gyms um, and having those programs there in the past, did that prepare you for business ownership, even if it was a little bit? Sure. Yes, I do. I think what it did is it prepared me for the most important aspect of running a gym, which is building a program and having the ability to teach and build rapport with your clients. Uh, and I think that just will only be taught with experience and over time. Um, what it didn't do is it didn't teach me the, 
how to open up the business, uh, the legal aspect of the business, the marketing aspect of the business, um, and the other components being, I call it wearing many hats as a business owner. Uh, You know, as an employee, we sometimes get wrapped up in, man, I really want to be the owner, but you don't realize how much there is behind being a business owner. Yeah. Uh, But yeah. Okay. So to piggyback piggyback off of what you said, like you didn't necessarily learn about the legal things, um, Mm -hmm. marketing from when you were at the other gyms, but since you have your five going on six years with your business, if you could choose three skills and three skills only, um, that you need to, yeah, that's, I'm going to limit you to there, obviously not many more, but I'm going to kind of put a limit on you, um, when it comes to like growing and building and scaling a business, like what would those three skills be and why? Mm. Spot here. Okay. So three skills to most important to have a bit to opening, to having a business you're saying to maintain a business. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, did you start, did you start from like having zero clients? So yes, I, well, sort of, I had, I was running two gyms at the same time and I had my own business or programs, excuse me, inside of these people's businesses. Okay. And then um, when I left those two businesses, I brought my program into my own gym. Uh, so, okay. Three skills, I would say. Hmm. I would say be the f- cleanest, friendliest gym around. One. Uh, the reason is, is because cleanliness, it, 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 develops the environment of your gym and your in the type of people you want in your gym and being friendly is an important skill because uh it's not anyone's fault if you're having a bad day so like if you get cut off driving to work it's not your client's fault to take it out on them so i think being the cleanest friendliest gym around is a a good target to shoot for number one number two uh have integrity and be persistent uh, a lot of times people get into business because they have a true passion for what they want, but then when they have the stresses of having their own business, uh, it becomes more of a money gain than it is about the passion of why they started doing what they did. So I think keeping the integrity of why you want to do what you're doing or why you started in the first place is essential to be successful, not just monetarily, but um, but for your for your own goodwill, I guess, and, and for longevity of, of business. Uh, number three, um, get involved with your community. Uh, your community is the, the beginning, the end, the middle of your business. If you don't have support by your business, by your community, and you're not thriving to make a difference in your community, um, you'll fail like many, many other small businesses do because it's not a selfish thing. It should be a, an overall making a difference or making a change in the community, positive impact, if you will. So off the top of my head, those are the three. All righty. So get involved with the community. Um, what were the first two again? Uh, and then it was being the friendliest, cleanest gym around. Right. And then having uh, integrity uh, and uh, about what you're doing, why you're doing what you do. Okay. I like, I like a few of those answers. So that was good. And I'll put yeah. you on the spot. So I appreciate yeah, that. sure. I mean, I, there's others, obviously, like, you know, like yeah. marketing and, and all those are really important too. But I think that when it comes on the core substance, if you don't have those three things, uh, I don't, marketing will bring people in, but they're not going to keep them there forever. Right. Um, so, and, and that's the thing. It's a long game, just like investing. Everybody wants to make a quick dollar, but investing is about the, the right. long haul. So, I mean, 
if I were to give you more options, like where would marketing go? So you gave me three, like mm-hmm. put marketing in order of importance. Yeah. So I would, I would put, um, I would put marketing probably fifth. Okay. You know, yeah. I think fourth would be uh, program design. Uh, I think because, it, okay, so we're all salespeople when it comes to owning our own business, whether you like it or sales or not, you have to have a product that you're selling. And uh, if you don't have a good product, no matter how good you're at selling it, people aren't going to buy the product. So I think that fourth step after having the friendliest, cleanest gym around, having integrity in what you're doing, making a, a change or an impact in your community. And then fourth would be that, hey, I need to have a product that uh, can meet all three of those first criterias. And then once I have that in place, then I need to market it. Uh, and whatever marketing you feel is best and, and marketing changes. That it does. And we're definitely going to be sure to touch on that in a second. But I do want to kind of go back to something you said about sales, because mm-hmm. a lot of personal trainers, like they don't step into this industry thinking that, oh, I'm a salesperson also. Oh, well, you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, when it comes to sales for you, is that something that you had to, I don't want to say internalize, but is that something that became a part of like your identity? Yeah, I think, I think when you own your own business, um, I think your business becomes your identity uh, in some regards until you have the ability to kind of balance out your life. So yes, sales is becomes a part of your identity because, you know, at, at any moment your phone can ring and you got to be able to sell your product. You have to be able to sell your memberships. You have to be able to uh, convey your message to the people that are calling you on your phone to ask for information. And that's sales. I mean, that's, that's one-on-one, right? And uh, I think having a, a script of some sort, a description of some sort to be able to provide information about what you do uh, to your clients uh, or your, your prospects is sales. So yes, it's, it's very important. Absolutely. Like if you can't sell anything, you won't be able to help anybody. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about what you guys are doing for marketing. I want to kind of know like what's been working well and what have you guys tried that hasn't worked so well? Okay. Um, So things that I, I'm very old school in regards to marketing. Um, I'm more based on like, excuse me, word of mouth is in any industry that I've heard of. I've talked to professionals. Word of mouth is your number one um, business lead generator. Uh, and word of mouth is based on those core principles that I had said at the beginning, being friendly, having a clean gym, providing a good product, having integrity and serving your community. So word of mouth for me, uh, referrals, we do a referral program. Uh, so if you refer somebody to our gym and they join our gym, then you might get a free private lesson or you get like a $25 gift card for a gas station or like a visa gift card. Uh, and then we've done like different tiers. So like one would be a $25 gift card to your second tier might be a hundred dollar, uh, retail, um, gift certificate for our retail shop. Uh, three might be, if you refer three people, you might get a, a month or two for free of membership. So that would be probably our biggest referral. Uh, I'm sorry, a marketing strategy that we do. Uh, we do a lot of special events. So we have birthday parties. And um, sometimes we'll offer the kids, if it's their birthday, we'll offer them a free birthday party at our gym and they'll bring in 10, 15, 20 kids into the program or to the class and they'll be able to get, uh, now we have 15, 20 new leads that we didn't before. 
Um, we have buddy week. So once every six weeks, we invite people to bring their friends or family members into classes. Uh, that, that's also in-house kind of marketing. Uh, out, outsourcing, so like not in-house marketing, but you know, external marketing. We uh, do um, we do just different special events. Like maybe we'll set up a booth at a different um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like special event, like um, like a, a, we might walk in a parade, or we might go to a, a fair, and we might put up a, a booth or something there. Um, things that haven't worked for me, uh, and maybe it's just because I'm not very educated on it. Something that I need to educate myself more on, but. Facebook ads, Instagram ads, they just, for me, they haven't been very successful. I've tried them a couple of times in the past. Um, but again, maybe I didn't do my target market properly. I know a lot of people swear by those things um, and, and they're probably really great. But for me, they haven't worked that great. Okay. So you were doing the campaigns on Instagram and Facebook. And you, so your experience was like you weren't necessarily... What, what was it? So were you not getting like qualified leads or was it like the volume? Yeah, I, to be frank with you, I don't even think I got really any leads, maybe one or two, but uh, they just weren't great leads. Uh, and it just felt like they, Facebook was just constantly taking money out of the account, but I wasn't really seeing any positive effects from it, if you will. Uh, you know, I've done Groupon at Groupon was good, to get people started when you first start your business. The downside of that is they're giving that people 50 to 60% off what you normally charge. So when it's time that their Groupon is up, now you're saying, okay, well, you paid $60 for a Groupon to train for a month, but hey, it's $120, $150 a month. That's a big jump for, you know? Uh, so yeah, Groupon's good as well to get people on the door, but you just gotta be mindful of if the cost is twice the amount, <laughs> it could, push people away yeah. from my experience again. Okay. So with the goals, which you haven't talked about yet, but with the goals that you have in mind for your gym, yep. do you think that you're going to have to change anything about the way that you guys are doing your marketing? Uh, yeah, I, I do think, as I said before, I do think Facebook ads and Instagram ads or just ads in general in a specific target market could be good. Um, yeah. But you just have to. So, yeah, I mean, that would be something I would, be interested to talk about. I've had people come to me and ask me about taking over the advertising aspect of the business, but the cost to do something like that, it's a huge cost for most times. And uh, you just got to be at a certain place in your business to be able to take the leap, if you will. Um, and especially, you know, recovering from COVID, uh, you know, the last two, three, two and a half years was not a good time to kind of invest <laughs> into those things. Uh, but as the gym's growing, uh, it's definitely something I would encourage people to do and something that I would definitely look into doing if it was a good fit for what I was looking for for my business. Yeah. Well, you know, I definitely appreciate your open-mindedness because I meet a lot of people who are just like, no. Yeah. So I can appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I, you know, we were talking about integrity and, and being honest and true to yourself. I think people have to realize what do they want in their business? Like for, let me give you an example. Um, I've been part of gyms that I, we've got, you know, two, 300 students and I'm like, Oh, I want that someday. And then now I have my own business and, you know, I'm not quite at 200 students. I'm closer to anywhere between 130, 150, it fluctuates. And the more that you grow, 
there's more that you have to be able to do. You have to hire more staff now. And now you have to train your staff. You have to pay your staff uh, more money uh, in regards to like, if you hire them as an employee instead of a private contractor. So there's a lot of more expenses that come in play when you're making more money. So you got to kind of figure out what are you ready for in that process of growth? Uh, and are you preparing yourself for those those changes, because that could devastate you in the business. You know, you get up to 150, 200 clients. Now you have to hire somebody at the front desk. You have to hire someone that's marketing. Well, now you have to train those people to make sure that they're being part of the team that you're trying to create and, and maintain that environment that you want, or you have to hire more coaches uh, and you have to train the coaches. So again, not to, not to derail from what we're talking about, but I think, having an understanding of what your goals are and what you truly want is, is, is yeah. essential for that growth and growth is important, but you yeah. just got to be ready for that growth and what it takes. In that Absolutely. Growth. I cannot agree with you more on that point right there. So with you being a business owner, what is your role in the business right now? Like, are you doing the majority of the selling? Are you still teaching a lot of the classes? Uh, I'm, uh, I, I do it all. You know, I, I do the, the marketing, I do the lead generation. I follow up the leads. So the administration aspect of things, I'm a, I'm a janitor, you know, I'm a, I, I teach the majority of the classes, you know, I have some really great, uh, assistants, uh, and, and yeah, assistants and coaches that work for me. Um, but for the most part, I teach probably 90% of the classes, you know, uh, to go off what I was saying before, it's like, my business was growing and I was hiring staff and I felt like I was fading away from the business because I was pushing the direction that I, that I was losing the love of what I was doing um, because I was doing more of the administration aspect and, and pushing off a lot of the, the, the roles that I like playing. Like I love coaching. Like that's what got me into it. Um, and I felt like I had to take a step back and say, Hey, let me reevaluate what's important to me. And, you know, I want to keep the staff around, but maybe, maybe have them do some of the other stuff that I don't necessarily want to do. So it doesn't take me away from what I love doing or what, what actually is growing the business. Right. Uh, And I noticed a difference in the numbers when I had other people teaching majority of the classes and I was doing the administration stuff. And then when I switched the roles of me teaching more of the classes and letting them do more of the admin stuff, business grew better. And I felt better about what I was projecting and what I was providing for my clients and for my community. Um, Before you veer too far off, okay, well, you came to stop, but that's a good point that you brought up. So to make sure that I understand what you're saying correctly, you said that when you were doing most of the admin stuff, your business wasn't growing like you wanted it to. Yeah. But when you switched and kind of had, like you delegated those tasks to other people on your team and you started Mm -hmm. teaching most of the classes, that's when you start, start to see your business to grow. Is that what you said? Absolutely. Because it's like, for me, like I'm saying, from my perspective, that's my forte. My forte is coaching. My forte is uh, instructing and leading a class and helping the assistants get better at their craft. My strength is not the admin aspect of things. My strength is not the marketing aspect of things. But being a small business owner, you have to learn those things. But you also have to realize what you're good at and what you're not good at. And over time, you have to hire somebody or train somebody to do those things that maybe you're not so great at. Uh, so you can get back to what you're good at. Because if not, you're just running in a circle and you're going to burn yourself out. And uh, and that's from my experience uh, yeah. of just having my business, but also running other people's businesses for a long time. So you delegated the admin to uh, some of your team members. 
Um, sure. Was that something that was hard for you to do? Systemizing it was difficult and I'm still working on it, right? Like finding a system in place that I can communicate on expectations for them and vice versa. Same with classes, how you run a class and what you're trying to look for in each class that you're running. So, uh, but that that's a constant learning cycle, like anything, uh, something I'm still working on. But yeah, figuring out a system in place, systemizing stuff is essential uh, to be able to train people that are coming up in the ranks or future employees. Um, If you don't have a system, then, you know, it's hard to expect things from people because things don't just happen because they happen. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. That's very true. So with that being said, would you at all want to see your role change a little bit as the owner? Would I like my role to change, you said, you asked? Yeah, like your day um, Yeah, I mean, I, I do want to s- get better at those systems we're talking about. I would like to hire somebody in the future to take control over those administration aspects completely in the future. Um, and, um, and be able to have a system in place to have a coaching staff yeah. in place. Um, so I can focus on outsourcing my skills, whether that be doing podcasts more or getting more involved in the community. Uh, I really want to open up a nonprofit gym in the next few years. So uh, that's going to take my time to do something like that. Uh, And I need to be able to have my gym running by itself per se. uh, So I can do that. Yeah. That's awesome, man. So since we're kind of on the subject, um, talk to us a little bit about the goals that you have for Fit to Defend for 2023. Yeah, so I think now that we've we've uh, got through COVID and we're, we're established and we're back to where we were pre-COVID plus a few ex- extra students, right? Uh, the goal is to start setting short-term, I'm sorry, setting long-term goals, but setting short-term manageable goals inside of that long-term goal. Uh, I, I really would like to get my gym at... Um, let's say 200 students, let's say, uh, and I have to figure out uh, a strategy, a marketing strategy to be able to get to that point. Uh, but then for me, 200 students is the most I ever really want at my academy. You know, I, in the past, I've thought about opening up multiple locations. Uh, and uh, as of right now, where I stand in my life, I don't know if that's what I want now, but I want to be prepared and have things right. in, in, uh, systemized that if I decide to do that in the future, that it would be easier to kind of implement into, into opening up another gym or multiple gyms. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so, I mean, when, when it comes to like increasing your membership, would you want that to come from like the, the kids that you're teaching or would you want to, cause I know we, you spoke about earlier kind of adding in that uh, personal training element um, where, like what type of membership or people would you want that to be? kids or like more of the gym pop adults? Um, that's a good question. I, I think anyone that needs to, to a positive impact in their life is, is a good target for me. Uh, so I, I don't really have, here's the thing though, in business, business, it's like a roller coaster. It goes up and down and there's different target markets that are good throughout the year. So I'll give you an example. Summertime, kids' numbers go down a lot. Adult numbers go up. School season, when the school starts September, August, September, October, kid numbers go up. Adult numbers kind of 
even out a little bit. So you need that in my business, excuse me, at least, is that you need to have a kind of an even amount of adults and kids fluctuating throughout the year because of those low times, at least in my area. In my area, we have kids that get sent away for summer camp for three months. I, I've never heard of this in my life before, but sleepover camp for three months. The parents send them away for three months. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's interesting. I Coming from nine brothers and sisters, that, that was not a, never a thing, right? So <laughs> Uh, so it also depends on the market that you're that you're working with too. Um, but to answer your question, um, anyone that that's looking to make a difference and a change in their life in a positive way, and that jives well with our environment that's already set, is people that we're trying to do. Uh, the fitness realm is something I really want to imp implement. I did go to school for exercise science, and I've taught at a lot of big gyms in the past, and I do like seeing people get results from the fitness aspect um yeah. so yeah all righty well it's almost a good place for us to wrap things up on this episode but one more question before we sign out um if you could give our listeners just a piece of advice that you wish you would have had before you started fit to defend a piece of advice piece of advice um, I'm going to go with, uh, it's okay to have questions. It's okay to not have the, the right answer all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, I think surround yourself with like-minded people. I think, um, don't be too hard on yourself and mistakes is how we grow. And really most importantly, be true to what you want in your business. And if you find that you're, it's, it's, it's becoming too much, I think balance is essential in your life. So taking a step and, uh, and taking a little break for a couple of days is okay. And having that work-life balance is really important because sometimes we get so passionate about things, we put our whole life into it and other aspects of our lives maybe we're lacking in. That yeah. would be my, and constantly learn, you know, always be a student. Yeah. Absolutely. Love that, man. Um, but before we sign out, please tell our listeners where they can find you. Yeah, so you guys can find me uh, uh, at my gym in Lake Bluff, Illinois, at Fit to Defend Academy. Uh, we have a Facebook page at Fit to Defend Academy, and our Instagram is at Fit to Defend Academy as well. Uh, so we'd love for you guys to follow us. We post a lot of self-defense, jujitsu, character developmental videos, free videos regularly there and on our YouTube channel. So uh, we would love for you guys to join our network or our team. If you have any questions, reach out to us, private message us, and love to answer anything that we can help people grow and overcome the challenge of having your own business. You know, it's a, it, it's, it's a, it's a great blessing, but it can be a struggle at times. And uh, one last thing I would encourage people to read books, even audio books. Um, what book are you reading right now? Uh, well, there's a, it's, it's a book that I just finished. I was listening to audiobook and I would tell every single human being to listen to it. It's, it's unfortunately has a cuss word in it, uh, but it's, it's called, it's called unfuck yourself. And, uh, and, uh, and what it is, it's a, it's about how your thoughts prevent us from doing a lot of things we want to do. Um, because they say we have about 50,000 thoughts on a daily basis. And we got so wrapped up in our thoughts that we'd never take action because we're constantly doubting and fearing the unknown. Great book, highly recommend it. 
There's a couple others that I would recommend as well, but our time is up, I know. So (laughs) don't want to ramble here, but Unfuck Yourself, it's called. Don't mean to cuss, but that's the name of the book. And um, yeah. All righty, Scott. Well, thank you so much. You know, I really appreciate your time and contribution to the podcast and really looking forward to seeing, you know, what you're going to be able to accomplish down the road with Fit to Defend. So to everybody who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit the like and subscribe button. And if you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I am your host today, Adam Chop, and with me is the one and only Anna Valle with Rivers Run Pilates and Specialty Fitness out of Fort Myers, Florida. Anna, how are you today? Doing great, Adam. Thanks for having me. Of course. The pleasure is all mine. I'm super excited to dive in, learn about you and all the good things that you've been doing and you know, talk about this uh, amazing business we got going on here. So with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and open up to our listeners and just kind of explain yourself, you know, background, vision, how the business got started, why you started it, and we'll just go from there. Okay. Well, my background is I was a professional dancer for many years, and I retired oh, probably about uh, 17 years ago or so from dancing full-time international projects and all of that. So... Uh, As a mover, a professional mover, if you will, um, I was always very interested in the human body and how the human body moves and acts and um, also the effect of movement on the way people feel, the way I personally feel, not just as a performer, but even in the studio or uh, in Pilates classes, you know, as a dancer, most of us practice some form of fitness, if not multiple forms of fitness. So we need to get out and run or swim laps to amp up our cardio. We need to um, do Pilates because, you know, Pilates acts on all the muscles in, in the body in a way that a dancer needs to use their body or really pretty much any athlete. So it was very connected to Pilates work um, as a dancer. Um, but then I was, I also began to teach conditioning classes for dancers in different ways. So it could have been more on the uh, plyometrics, calisthenics side, you know, I was always very interested in all of that. And probably about 12 years ago, I started taking um, classes from um, 
and certification courses through NASM and AFA and just different you know, certifying organizations like that because I knew I was gonna have to move out of the pro field and dance, my body wasn't happy with me. <laughs> and so, you know, um, needed to make a transition as all dancers do. Anyhow, so that's what led me into the fitness industry. And it's just really charges my heart every day because um, I get to help people move. I get to help people find their freedom. Um, I, get, I get to help people find a mind-body connection that maybe they haven't understood that they had before. Uh, or maybe they find that they need to move in a new way or they're, you know, whatever, they're getting ready for surgery. So we're doing a little prehab. You know, that's a whole world in and of itself or, you know, whatever. There are so many reasons to move. And um, so anyway, I, finding my transition out of the uh, dance industry and then into the fitness industry, which that's what got me started. And then through a series of circumstances, uh, my husband and I moved from Houston, Texas up into Maryland. And I found an, an amazing mentor at a wellness center there. and. Um, I will probably send her this podcast <laughs> when it's all done, but Lynette, all props to you for being an amazing mentor in the fitness industry. And uh, she really showed me the ropes. She owned a, a wellness center and she put me up in front. She tested my boundaries. You know, that's a whole thing in fitness. As you know, we have to learn and grow. So that was a series of circumstances. And then we moved down here and I opened my studio uh, over a period of time. So anyway, it's been a great journey. So that's kind of the nutshell version. <laughs> no, I love it. Um, you know, it is it's so funny. It's like, I've had uh, five hip surgeries with one replacement. So I'm like, I probably could have used some Pilates and dance movement type things to kind of, you know, keep my flexibility up just a little bit more than, you know, where we are, but Hey, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and I, and again, I talk a lot about Pilates because that's my avenue of passion, but yeah. for sure promotes, you know, Pilates promotes range of motion work and strengthening the joints and, you know, the tendons around the joints, the ligaments attaching everything um, in a way that not a lot of other movement modalities do. Now, look, I'm, I'm a credentialed personal trainer outside of also being a certified Pilates instructor. So I see benefit to many modalities of movement. And I don't say to someone who comes into my Pilates studio, oh, you know, you shouldn't be doing that or, you know, whatever. I love it when people are cross-training because it makes them stronger, you know? But yeah, there's benefit to um, recovering from joint surgery for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's so cool uh, to hear, you know, like, it sounds like you're extremely passionate and, you know, you have, you know, everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Everybody wants to, you know, make a little money here and there, but if you can do it while you're having the right purpose or the passion behind it, then, you know, it's kind of like a double, double-edged win. It's, you know, you're doing this and getting it at the same time. So yes. love to hear it. Um, one thing I want our listeners to hear from you, cause I've had a couple different Pilates owners, but they've been classical. And when I mean classical, I mean, very classical, like sure. traditional <laughs> classical. So if you could describe the differences between like, you know, and this leads me kind of into a two-part question is give our listeners like your elevator pitch. Like what is your facility? Like what 
um, services do you offer? Kind of, you know, what's the full realm? And then kind of give that that description between classical or excuse me, um, yeah, classical and yeah. what you do. Yeah, I know exactly where you're going with this. And, and I appreciate the question for sure. So if I were to give you my elevator pitch, here we go. My name is Anna and I own Rivers Run Pilates and Specialty Fitness. And I am the owner of a small boutique uh, style fitness studio that uh, runs one-on-one -on -one personal training uh, and Pilates uh, sessions and also small group fitness sessions. And I have a full complement of uh, fitness equipment and a full Pilates studio with the Universal Reformers, the Pilates chair, the Cadillac, uh, the wall towers, uh, all of it. And so that is why I named the studio Pilates and Specialty Fitness, because not one size fits all. We like to be able to help as many people as we can from whatever background they come from. And we like to tailor their sessions so that they're reaching their goals. It's not necessarily always my job to help people set their goals. Sometimes it is, but sometimes they will be able to come in with their own goals. I, I'll Do you mind if I give you an example? Yeah, go for it. Absolutely. Okay. Okay, so here's a great example. I have a guy that I'm working with right now who's in his upper 30s, um, dad of two kids, you know, runs uh, his own business here in Fort Myers, Florida, and he's doing a Tough Mudder. And he came to me and he said, are you familiar with Tough Mudder? And I said, yeah, <laughs> you know, I did one years ago. And I just, I just said, get ready, get mud in your ears. <laughs> right, yeah, no kidding. And I, he goes, he goes, you think it would be a benefit to me to train with you? And I said, yeah, absolutely it would. So I, I, since I understand what the Tough Mudder race is about, and I designed a sessions for him and he comes and meets with me twice a week, in addition to all the other things that he's doing on the other days. So he's training six days a week, he comes to me twice a week, and we tailor his sessions to help him be the best at his Tough Mudder race. And then I've got uh, people that come to me that are um, have just been released from physical therapy. You mentioned your hip replacement surgery, hip replacements, knee replacements, shoulder cleanouts, you know, all the stuff that happens to us in life. And um, so I'll work with people who need to begin right at the beginning and have goals just to strengthen the muscles around their joints so they can have really good function in their life. Or maybe they haven't been able to climb up on a ladder and reach something on the top shelf. Well, honestly, Pilates can help with all of that. And so can um, with the background that I have in specialty fitness modalities, uh, blending that work with Pilates really makes a lot of sense. So to answer your question, now I'm coming all the way around again to classical Pilates. And I don't want to say versus contemporary Pilates, but I want to say together with contemporary Pilates, um, uh, those, those fitness modalities can work together. So what's the difference? Classical Pilates is strongly attached to the original work that Joe Pilates himself taught in the early, early days. Joe was an entrepreneur himself. He was also just an eclectic genius inventor. So he understood human anatomy. And we're talking about somebody 
that was born in the late 1800s, okay? And so he was kind of the guru of his time. He was the personal trainer to professional boxers and traveled with them through Europe. I mean, this guy was pretty amazing for his day. So in developing his apparatus, he also developed movement, of course, that made sense with pulling against spring-loaded resistance, pull, you, the use of pulleys, the use of gravity against the use of a spring load, you know, different things like that. People don't usually lift weights in Pilates, and so he had to create resistance apparatus to use. And, and so we still, the apparatus that we use today in the studios is based on all of that now, but class, the practice of classical Pilates means that the adherents are um, practicing it exactly the way that Joe told them to practice it without a lot of modification necessarily. Now, listen, I've got great friends who have classical Pilates studios and um, who have a slightly different background and training than I do. I have 100% respect for them and I think that we benefit from each other. So, but my background and training is a little bit more contemporary in that I have taken classical Pilates classes for many years, but I chose to train through an organization that offered a little bit more of a contemporary view moving forward. So providing more modifications and more progressions and maybe a little bit more creativity. So we don't have to adhere to a specific order of, of exercise. And there are classical orders for exercise on Pilates apparatus and on the mat as well, just you and the mat. Um, but then it, there's been a lot that has developed over the last hundred years. I mean, come on, a hundred years is a long time, right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, there's benefit to layering that work. So I love the creativity and the more contemporary um, training. So that's what I decided to do um, when I picked up my um, certification classes. Yeah. Yeah. So it just opens, I think it opens up more doors, allows you to have a little bit broader view and mm -hmm. maybe even a potentially a higher impact on people's lives. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, just listening to you and your personality, it sounds like the, that the, the slight more we'll say customization for lack of words or creativity um, versus like that standard traditional, mm -hmm. you know, like there's this way of doing things, but you still get this kind of result. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Anna. Uh, well, that being said, let's kind of dive a little bit into more about, you know, rivers on Pilates um, and specialty fitness. Um, you know, how many members are you currently servicing? Like what's your member base and about how big is your facility? Wow. Oh, okay. So, uh, here we are two years next month, just okay. signed my lease two years ago next month. So I went from, and this is just, this is what makes my heart just like burst. I went from about 20s, low 20s, something people that I was working with on a regular basis to over 150 now. So in two years, that, that is my growth and it's been manageable. Um, I had to, so I have a background in leadership training. I'm just going to segue off really quick and segue back. Mm -hmm. 
a background in leadership training where I was standing behind lecterns and teaching people project management and program management and all kind of different stuff. Um, in addition to the other things that I did and I had some ideas when I thought it was for sure that I was going to be able to open my own business and that was uh, one thing was to make sure that I stayed in my lane, you know, um, that I didn't want to divert and try to be everything to everyone. I wanted to do what I did best so I could bring the highest level impact to people's lives. And um, I knew that that meant that every client that walked through my door may not potentially be a long-term client. And I had to be okay with that. You know, so though I might have 200 people on my list, I've got about 150 or so people that come in and out my door on a fairly regular basis, mm -hmm. you know, between living their lives and traveling and, you know, doing their thing down here in Southwest Florida. Right. Yeah. Doing <laughs> exactly doing their thing, you know. That's what they do. We live in vacation land. So, you know, we oh. got people that come in kind of irregularly, but they always say, oh, I love it when I'm back in town and I can come here and I have so much fun in classes and I meet new people. And that was another thing that um, creating community was a big, important part of one the reasons that one of the reasons that I opened up my own place. I wanted to make sure to create an atmosphere where people could get to know each other. And we know as gym owners, as business owners, that there's an accountability that comes with that, right? So if people get accustomed to, oh, I usually come to the 8.30 class on Tuesday and Thursday or whatever it is, they start to look for each other, trade phone numbers. I encourage that, you know? You know, they'll say, oh, well, where is so-and-so today? Well, oh, I don't know. Have you talked to her or have you talked to him? You know, and so there's a, a, an accountability that's created through small group uh, fitness. And um, so I like that. And I wanted to be able to provide that atmosphere as well. Did I segue too far off your question? <laughs> uh, it's, it's okay. I love it. I love it. Um, no, it, you know, it gives listeners, you know, a full raw aspect of, you know, everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. um so you went from 20 to you know roughly 150 we'll, we'll say religious come as much as they can when they're in town right, right. and right. then so with your facility um I don't remember if you mentioned the square foot but how big is your facility currently for housing all these you know clients Oh, that's a good question. Um, my facility is 1100 square feet. Okay. And you might raise your eyebrows at that and go, whoa, how do you, you know, how do you manage that? Well, it, it obviously 1100 square feet is, is not that large, but because I do small group training and personal one-on-one uh, -on -one sessions, um, some of the foot traffic obviously is coming in groups of five. So that might be another question that somebody might ask, like, what, what do you mean by small group? Well, for our, my purposes, I have five stations. So when people come in, if, if I fill each station, it's five people. And most of the time I'm waitlisted. Like I had somebody send me a screenshot of my <laughs> class schedule yesterday and they're like, dude, I can't get in. I'm like, well, gotta get ahead, okay. you know, get, get your registration in there. It's really, really important because I only mm -hmm. have five stations. And I, and I did that extremely purposefully because I have taught in the past in very big fitness 
settings, probably like most of us have, right? Most of us who have gone out and opened up our own space, whether we franchise or do our own thing or whatever, we've had some experience leading up to that and things that we loved about it and things that we didn't love. And for me, I needed to depart from teaching classes with 40 people in it. I just, I couldn't do it anymore. It wasn't good for me. I felt like I couldn't put my eyeballs on people the way I like to. And, um, and, and because I have a little bit of a background in corrective exercise, I've got a pretty detailed eye. So my detailed eye wasn't liking the big group. So I said to myself when, hey, Anna, when you're ready to do this, you're gonna do this small and you're gonna do it in a way that, um, you know, lets you create the best scenario for people to reach their goals. And mm -hmm. sometimes that's creating a modification on the spot in a small group personal training. So we're going to be all doing the same exercise, right? But then I might walk over to one person at the first station and say, okay, I noticed you're having a hard time doing this, make this change, you know, and I can do that in a small group. You can't do that when you got a mic up to your mouth and you got 40 people in the room and you're calling, you know, 20 reps of overhead press, you know, you just, mm -hmm. it, it's hard to do that. So for me personally, that was another reason why I went small. Yeah. It keeps, keeps the intimacy real and you're yeah. able to, you know, like you said, 40 people, you might be able to make a couple corrections, but depending on what else is going on, it's hard to like really see, you know, you got to oh. use like that, that mm -hmm. eye of, okay, they, they're doing it wrong, they're doing it wrong, but this person has the most risk of injuring themselves by doing all it right. wrong. So you have to assess, you know, risk and, you know, all the all the stuff that, you know, coaches or trainers or just, you know, anybody with that type of experience has to, uh, you know, be able to catch that. So that's right. Um, yeah, but 150, 1100 square feet, that's pretty good. Um, so talk to me about, you know, uh, bigger plans, like what, you know, let, we'll, we'll, I like to do two parts. So we'll go short term, long term. So the next, like, one to two years and the next maybe like five years kind of where do you want to see your business take off you know what would be the end goal what would allow you to step back and go ah, this is where I want to be wow that's a loaded question Adam <laughs> okay uh, the near future let's talk about the near future first let's do it. um right now I want to grow the studio at its current situation a little bit bigger so um, I'd like to be able to give my instructor a little bit more time with clients and so that we're doubling up in my space more. In other words, uh, the way my space is laid out, I can be working with a personal one-on-one, -on -one, you know, private training client in the back of the studio. She can be working with someone in the front of the studio. So I need to double up more of my time like that, where we're not just, she's in the studio today, I'm in the studio tomorrow, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm working on that right now. That's the most important thing. The second thing, and I hope I don't let the cat out of the bag too soon, uh -oh. but <laughs> um, in my per, uh, particular area of Lee County, um, there's not a whole lot like me. So I would, I'm thinking very seriously about replicating my model um, and moving into an area, let's just say west of here, um, and so that means, though, that like the two teachers that I'm mentoring right now, I need to get them on board and credentialed and make sure that they're rocking and rolling. Um, so that's another facet of what I do is I mentor 
uh, instructors. And that takes a lot of time, energy, and effort. Um, mm -hmm. The good side of that is it does create loyalty. Um, if you're, you know, if you're honest and full of integrity and then hopefully, uh, and I should say this just about myself, I do believe, um, like begets like. So hopefully I'm attracting the people that should be around me and are passionate about what I do and want to give their time back once I have um, spent my time mentoring them and they're able to test out and do really well. So um, yeah, so growth in the future hopefully means a second model of what I'm doing at a different location and that it's more than manageable, that it's fun to bop back and forth, you know, 20 miles over here, you know, back over to the original location. And yeah. Maybe that's our language. Maybe it's, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's Rivers Run West. Maybe it's Rivers Run Central. I, I'm not too sure, <laughs> but that's, that's kind of where I'm, I'm at right now. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Love to see the growth, you know, so obviously, you know, I think, you know, I'm a huge believer in do good and receive good. And, you That's know, right. yeah, it's, it's just the, you know, the law of attraction. It's, you know, you're, you will attract the people that are like-minded because you seek those individuals. Right. And so it's, you know, it's, it's just, it's just natural law of attraction. You'll, 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 you'll definitely see, uh, reap, reap the reward from the harvest and, uh, it'll, it'll flow like, uh, running water. Yeah. Oh, thank well, you. I love that. Rivers run. Yeah, <laughs> uh -huh. I did that there. <laughs> um, uh, so, you know, uh, we got the short term, we got the big term, you know, like the things that need to be in place, you know, would it be safe to say that increasing, increasing or maximizing, you know, current, we'll say revenue or members in the facility would help in addition to coaches get you to that second location a little bit faster? Oh yeah, of course. I, I think it would be even a, the silliest notion to think that you don't need to increase your revenue at any point because nothing ever gets less expensive. <laughs> Everything gets more expensive. Your rent goes up every year, you know, whatever. The expenses are expenses. Um, when I ordered my, uh, all of my equipment is brand new as of a year and a half ago. So uh, I'm going to back up to go forward and, and say yes to the question you just answered. When I signed my lease, I had one of everything and all of my equipment was pre-owned. Good equipment, mm -hmm. but pre-owned. So I decided uh, my space as it was needed to be remodeled immediately. I couldn't, I went in, I cleaned up, I opened up, but it wasn't the space I needed. It wasn't the atmosphere I wanted. And I thought if it's now or never. So in Southwest Florida, if you're going to do anything, your slow season is July, August, and September. That's basically, unfortunately, it's hurricane season down here. And I knew that my business would be the lowest point. So right after uh, Easter into Memorial Day, I got my blueprints approved, shut down, blew out the walls, put in new flooring, paint sold my old equipment, got everything brand new. And I'm talking about everything. It was a huge chunk of change when mm. you're talking about remodeling. We pulled everything down. I had to put in electrical, lighting, everything into oh, a space. Okay, so it was a massively huge investment. 
Would I do it that way again? Depends on the situation. I got a longer lease and I was able to negotiate something. So here I go into that whole, you know, business growth thing. So I, yeah. what I had to do was sit down with a small business consultant and say, okay, if I'm going to go spend all of my money on this and make an initial investment, you know, what, what are some of my milestone goals that I need to meet a to make my money back because I don't want to be in debt. I want to be free flow so I can continue to build. So yeah. I want to be out of debt in under two years. And then he looked at me like I had grown a third head. He's like, wow, that's lofty. <laughs> I said, well, that's my, that's my goal. And, um, thank goodness. Uh, I'll, I'll, I have, will have reached my goal. Um, by the end of this month, I will have zero debt. And so debt eradication for me personally allows me to grow because now anything that comes in goes more into saving for the next phase. So um, anyway, yeah. So for growth model and for future, you know, you got to have some capital for that. And you can't, yeah. you know, for me, I don't, I don't want to keep, I don't want to keep digging deeper to grow too fast and then all of a sudden realize, oh my goodness, I've bit off more than I can chew. I wanna be able to pay instructors at the top of the pay scale because that shows them that I appreciate their professionalism and the effort that they put in at the studio. When they feel appreciated um, and they feel like they are being paid properly, then they'll do a even better job, I believe. I know, I know when I was working for other people, I always felt like um, I was appreciated and my skill was appreciated and the effect of my skill was appreciated on people um, through my paycheck. It, it, let's say it's one avenue, <laughs> right? So anyway, I think I bunny trailed a little bit, but. No, I was good. Yeah, it's, um, you know, nowadays, depending on, you know, like, we'll say group fitness instructors, it's like, there's a lot being asked and demanded because, you know, you're working with all these people and it's just like, you know, you got to pick and choose the right people that are going to see your value, pay your value, as long as you continue to deliver your value. And so, right. you know, wanting to pay your instructors is going to create a lot of integrity inside of, you know, your facility and yourself. And, you know, hopefully leads to, you know, uh, we'll say. Uh, Loyalty is a big thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, people want to show up and be like, all right, I want to work. Yes. This is, and I want them to feel like this is their home. So, you know, that that's a high value for me anyway. And creating, creating a situation where a couple of people now that have been with me for a while are willing to go to a second location in the future. That's a big deal. You can't mm -hmm. do that on your own. You can't, as one person, you can't run two locations by yourself. You have to have excellent instructors. You have to have knowledgeable people. You have to have people that have experience. So creating that loyalty right here where I'm at now means a year or two from now when I'm ready to blow out walls somewhere else or expand to maybe two, you know, two spaces, I'll be ready. So it's just working. It's like project management. You've got a project, you've got an end goal and you work backwards from your end goal. 
You put your energy, effort, time, money, you know, all of that into it. And uh, one step at a time, it doesn't happen overnight, but it sure is worth it when you get there. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And, you know, with, uh, let's see with, you know, everything that you're doing, you know, it, it's, it'll pay off because, you know, your leadership, that's what I was going to go with. Sorry. Your, yeah. uh, you know, your leadership and your mentoring things that you have the, the skills to be able to, you know, to develop those things where it's like, okay, this person has what it takes. I can trust them to do X, Y, and Z while yes. I'm over here doing A, B, and C. Absolutely. I want to be able to hand those people on. And so far, I've been able to do that with, with two uh, lovely teachers, um, being able to hand them the keys. And, and I kind of can watch what's going on from the back end when they check people in the class through the app and things like that. And that's another part of the business is uh, making things easy. So I, ha I use an application, you know, um, where people can register for classes online or request private training sessions. And then when they show up for those sessions, um, either I or one of the teachers will mark them in. And it shows me even when I'm not there, who's attending, uh, who canceled late, who didn't show up, or if the class is waitlisted or, you know, whatever it is. So I think that's another part of running business these days. You know, even 15 years ago, it wasn't like that. You walked in the door and you signed in on the clipboard. <laughs> yeah, old school. Oh, old, old school. And there's still some value in that, you know, but, but. Um, to be able to collect information on clients, um, to watch their progress, to encourage them along the way. And then uh, here's another thing. This is a little bit of a segue, um, but just a little FYI. Something yeah. I do to appreciate clients um, and to recognize them as I do birthday month free classes. Oh, so, yeah. So, you know, getting them to admit to their birthday, some of them, I'm like, I don't need the year. I just need the month. <laughs> so if you have a January birthday, raise your hand, you know, and if you do raise your hand to tell me you have a January birthday, then I'm going to give you a free class on your pass. So instead of a 10 pass, you'll get an 11 pass and there's high value in that and they get excited. And then, so there's a little bit of a loyalty kind of rewards that I just started doing um, last year. So I got birthday rewards and then um, I offer um, like gift certificates or gift cards. And so somebody buys a gift card and um, that, that purchase is made through my system, then I turn around and give a discount on the next pass to the person who recommended them. So referral discounts. And, and it doesn't need to be a lot, but it's the recognition to the client that I so appreciate them referring the studio. And honestly, that word of mouth is my best advertising ever. I mean, whatever, Instagram, you know, whatever. That's, that's good. But what's been my best is coming up in the Google rankings and managing my Google business site. Um, those five stars mean a lot to people. And then also just that referral, that one-on-one -on -one hey, I had a great experience at the studio. Anna really knows what she's doing. Her staff is great, whatever they say. And then I get a phone call saying, oh, so-and-so told me that they love coming to your studio. They're addicted. What's going on over there? I want to try. And so that's, that's a great part of growing business as well. 
Yeah, there's a lot of credibility and value in, you know, the organic word of mouth because mm-hmm. that shows the most value. You know, I think any business can, you know, relate to that and say that if you have people telling other people from inside of your business that are like, hey, you got to check this place out. You know, this girl, Anna, she's amazing. Instructor's amazing. You know, they're going to be like, oh, definitely. Like, and then to the second part that, you know, the Google reviews is like, I think, you know, anybody and everybody is always reviewing and like, oh, where should we, where should we go out to dinner? You know, is yeah. it a four star? Is it, is it got $3 <laughs> yeah. signs? It's got $2 signs. You know, it's, it's one of those things where I think, you know, like you mentioned maybe 15 years ago, it was kind of like, eh, let's just go pick the place around the corner versus like, now it's like, okay, I don't want to just waste my money and have a bad experience. You know, you want, you want that prime, yeah, uh, you know, quality. So that's right. High, yeah. high value. I mean, we're spending more dollars these days on mm-hmm. everything and um, it needs to be of high value wherever we're going to spend our money. I know I don't have unlimited funds. I don't know a lot of people that have unlimited funds. So we're picky and with good reason, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, unlimited funds would be uh, quite nice, but right. there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you, you touched on, you know, marketing, I was going to lead into, you know, some salesy type things, you know, on an average, you know, obviously, you, you know, more members is always a good thing. It can always happen because that's going to allow you to bring in more people, pay more people, expand, you know, all the, all the good stuff that comes with that. You know, w- what would you say is your, your, um, you know, or not, what would you say, but where, how often are you getting appointments into the door? Let's say like a weekly basis. Like, are you converting like lots of people on a weekly basis or is it kind of sporadic as far as new clients coming in yeah so uh i get a little bit of an analytic report through an application that i use and i can have a good look at that i can I can pull a few different reports from it and i think that that's important i've had to really teach myself that Okay. <laughs> but there's a lot of value in it. Um, so like last week, uh, my report was I had 13 new clients come in the door and all of them bought passes. So that tells me that after their first new client session, which I do require in my studio, um, just because not if, if you haven't done uh, Pilates equipment session before, um, it's it's not the same as, I don't know, using a cable row uh, or, you know, you mentioned uh, earlier, uh, another franchise like Learn Theory, just different things like that. There, everybody has a different modality. So to, to get on an apparatus, right, you're going to have to teach someone how to do that. And Pilates being very specific. So anyways, I require that new client session. There's a cost to the new client session. And if they stay after that new client session, I mean, that's a big wow. And so literally the 13 clients that had come in the door over the last week, when I pulled that report, all of them bought passes. That's, that's huge. So, but it's not just numbers. It's do they stay and continue coming over a long period of time? And that's the best. Because then the longer, the bigger goals are being accomplished, creating a healthier community. I mean, let's face it, um, 
we can talk global America if you want or local to our area, but, you know, heart disease, obesity, you know, all the things that we see and deal with in the fitness industry, um, we're still having to see and deal with. And if I can help create in my little corner of the world, a healthier, happier um, community, and these are people that not only I get that little endorphin release, which we're all, you know, game for that after the workout or even during the workout, you start to feel the little wee, you know, that's a good thing. Um, but then that'll last and then that helps with their metabolic systems. There's less diabetes, you know, there's a better sleep pattern that happens out of that. People rest more, they rest well, and then they feel better the next day, then they want to come back to class again right? So there's kind of a, a long-term benefit, really, and that's what I'm in it for, honestly, is a, the long-term benefit. And I want to get to know my clients and help them toward their goals. And goals usually are not static, right? They change from time to time. And I think that that's in, uh, very, very important for us as business owners in the fitness industry to recognize that just because we had a client come in a year ago saying, I really want to lose 40 pounds. I've somehow developed diabetes. It, you know, I need to change the way I'm eating. Can you help me? Um, that's the other thing too. I'm going to um, just talk briefly about. I don't think that it's necessary that all of us have some kind of um, you know, fitness coaching certification, but I think it's important that we all have training in nutrition and uh, we need to be able to give sound input into someone's life because typically if they're walking in our door the first time, there's going to be a segment of that population that the first thing on their mind is I've got to lose weight. You know, I've got diabetes. I don't want to take pills all my life. I don't want to go on those shots or whatever it is. I keep bringing that up, but that, I think that's because I see that a lot here. There may be other issues elsewhere, um, but I think it's important that, you know, business owners, we don't just focus on that single thing. Yes, we're focusing on building revenue, building our business, making a healthier community and all of that, but we're also focused on things holistically. I think we have to have some knowledge or at least be able to point people to someone so that networking is the next thing, right? So I'm not an island by myself, right? And I know you're not either, Adam. We are, this, this is evidence of the need for networking, right? So this global network that Jim Lords has is super valuable because I'm networked to you now. I didn't know you before, right? And I was right. listening to a pod podcast from Jim Lords yesterday by a gal who had a studio up in, I think it was Indiana, and she was given some really gold nuggets. Like that stuff is super valuable. So then the networking, the broadening of our expertise, um, leadership training, entrepreneurship stuff, super, super important. And you can go to a 10X or you can listen to a podcast or you can read whatever, you know, leadership books, whatever. It's all valuable. There's all nuggets to be found somewhere. And I don't think we need to be doing this in a um, small kind of closed in environment. This, this stuff here, very important. Yeah. Nail on the head. It's, you know, networking is key because, you know, sadly it's, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And the what you know just kind of helps validate who you know. 
in a way yeah. if you, if you want to kind of, you know, be all philosophical on it, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, and you mentioned law of attraction earlier. Certainly, we want to attract the people to us who add value to our lives, to coin a phrase from John Maxwell, right? So add value, right? This is something we've, we've heard uh, in entrepreneurial circles for a long time. But it really is about adding value because honestly, at the end of the day, I don't want to be exhausted with people pulling on me in the wrong direction. I want to have fed myself and others around me with the good stuff. So by the time I lay my head on the pillow at night, exhausted or not, I have added value to my own life and to the lives around me, whether it be my clients or somebody else who has just called me and said, okay, I really love what you do and we're moving to this state and I'd really like to replicate it. Would you be willing to spend some time with me and talk to me about your business? Well, Sure. We'll have to arrange it. You know, I can't just stop what I'm doing. Right. But, but yeah, so I, I think that that's critical, really. No, absolutely. Um, you know, with that being said, you know, you touched on, um, you know, several things. But one thing that I always like to ask, you know, owners is if, you know, we're all human, right? We all make mistakes. We all have yeah. failures. We all have successes, you know, and everything in between. So if you had to take one step back and, you know, maybe look at it from like a, like a snow globe appearance, if you may, where you see everything. If you had to pick out one thing in your facility, you know, that you're like, everything else is good, but this is the part that like the most improvement made here will help me elevate to my next level. And aside from obviously, you know, coaches, because we, everybody can need more people in some way, shape or form, but like, what would be the biggest key for you, whether it's, you know, maybe a marketing presence. I know you said that the biggest thing for you was Google reviews and um, word of mouth. I don't know if you do paid advertising or not, or in the past, maybe. Um, but like, what's like that one piece in your business that you're like, this is what's going to, you know, be, a, if this is improved, this is what can help me grow. Hmm. Hmm. That's a really good question. I think I need to ponder that. I will say that taking out marketing ads over Facebook has never been profitable for me. Um, maybe it's profited other people. I'm not sure. I think I would not have spent money in that direction. Didn't spend a ton, thank goodness. Um, just just because it wasn't capturing the audience, you know, that I wanted to capture. Probably would have said closer to the my reopening, my grand reopening, after I shut my studio down, uh, remodeled, bought all the new equipment, all of that, I, I should have spent more uh, concerted effort while my construction crew was doing their thing. Yeah. Uh, could have spent more time on uh, future planning, getting a little more attention from the city of Fort Myers. You know, I did join... Um, the Greater Fort Myers Chamber of Commerce. I joined a networking group, but I think I could have done a little more, honestly. Um, maybe maybe uh, did a little bit more in person. Hey, you really want to see what I have going on over here, you know, kind of conversations. Um, in my area, that counts for a lot. I know my, probably in larger cities, it would be different. Um, but we're we're pretty much a, a medium to small size city. So that personal stuff makes a big difference around here. And then mm -hmm. um, the good thing is, though, I did, based on my background and other 
positions that I had as a fitness director somewhere and things like that, I did really understand my clientele and the age and stage category of a lot of people who live here. So that's, that is really important. And I count that as a high value, knowing who the prelim, uh, the, the primary clientele would be coming to my studio and then who would be on maybe the younger side of that or the older side of that, or the lifestyles, you know, of people that I would be working with that kind of thing. But yeah, I probably should have spent more time in the very beginning, getting the word out. Hey, I'm going to have a grand reopening. We're remodeling show up. You're going to love this. Um, so I would have liked to have more attention in the very beginning. It would have been a little bit quicker growth. And I thought, you know, so anyway, that's it. <laughs> hey, that's, it's honest answer. You know, it's, yeah. it kind of sounds, you know, maybe just a little more, we'll say for lack of words, marketing in the beginning to like really get that word out, you know, however, which way. Um, well, cool, Miss Anna. Um, last couple of tidbits here before we uh, do wrap up. Um, and you may have heard this on, you know, previous podcasts, but I, I'd love to open this up for one. And I'm excited to hear your answer because you, you've got a lot of um, very uh, witty answers and just very like, good knowledge. And I love that. So what I want to ask is for everybody listening out there, you know, whatever their situation is, you know, what would you give them is, you know, maybe a couple good golden nuggets to take with them for opening a business, starting a business. Maybe they're going to take over a business, whatever the case might be where they're becoming their own boss. What, what kind of advice would you give them? Mm, that's a loaded question. Okay. First thing I would say is Take the time to know yourself. And what I mean by that is be really, really honest about why you would want to own your own business. Write it down. I had a notebook that I kept for about a year before I even opened my business. And, and all to say that this was going on as the COVID shutdowns were starting and people were going stark raving mad with masks and all that stuff. Thank goodness we're out of that. I didn't have to deal horribly with it being in Florida, but still we had to open both doors, create space, six feet, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, segue off and segue back on to answer your question, but know yourself, know your personality. If your business requires you getting up at 4.30 in the morning to open your doors at 5.30, are you going to be willing to do that on a regular basis? And can you show up with a smile and be the motivator for somebody's life who they've taken the time to get up early to meet you at the studio for their training session? You know, so those are important questions to ask. Are you willing to also, here's another one, are you willing to do it all yourself if you have to? So what if your teacher can't show up? What if your coach is on vacation? What, you know, what if, what if, what if, what if, whatever. So are you willing to do this however many days a week, you know, that is your goal to keep your business open? My business is six days a week. So for many months between uh, mentoring and seeing people become certified and come to work for me. I had to run this business by myself. 
So my, the hard question is, is, hey, Anna, are you ready to do this six days a week? And if the answer is yes to a lot of those kinds of questions, then you're probably ready to launch out. And then the next part is, is um, how are you going to secure financing? You know, do you need financing or are you sitting on a pot of gold and you can just dump them on here? You know, what? I, do you know what I mean? Like most of <laughs> most of us don't Give me have- lucky charms. Right? <laughs> so those are like hashtag goals. So, um, but, so how are you going to get your financing? Like those are all preliminary things that have to be considered. Um, do you have support from the people around you? Do you have a cheerleader as a partner or a husband or wife or, you know, whatever? Um, do you have friends around you that are like speaking in your ear? Please do this. We are tired of going to this place and asking and waiting for you. Like, can you go do your This is something that happened to me along the way. I had a couple of my clients that had been coming to me at another studio and they were going, would you please open a studio? We're tired of going to this other place just to meet with you. Mm -hmm. We don't want that. We want you. And so I was like, whoa, that's like no pressure, right? So, you know, so you have to find all the reasons and know, do you have the support, the financing? What are your reasons for doing it? What gets you up in the morning? And then all, are you also ready to make some hard decisions? You know, we, we people come in the door, but are, you, are they your A client? Or are they a B client or a C client? Are you willing to let certain people go knowing that those finances are going to walk out the door, but making room for the A client to walk in later? So those are some food for thought for sure. Good. No, no, definitely. Uh, you know, everyone's experiences is going to lead to different answers. So um, as we finish up here today, I want to give it up to our listeners to be able to find you. So Ms. Anna, how can our listeners reach your facility, whether it's in person, if you're in the Fort Myers area, or, you know, maybe Instagram, Facebook, websites, kind of give a, give a shout out for all of your handles. Okay, thanks. Yeah. So my website, I love to drive people to my website. It's a great place to go. It's pilates-fit.net. So P-I-L-A-T-E-S with a hyphen fit.net and then there on my website then you can click on the facebook uh, little uh, icon or the instagram um, on instagram i'm rivers run pilates fit and then of course you can call me you can text me i'm really accessible my phone number is on my website um, you can email me from my website. I try to make it very easy for people to get in touch with me. And the cool thing is, is because we live in vacation land, you know, I do have people that come in and out all the time. You are totally welcome to come in and take classes. If you have even a little bit of experience in Pilates equipment, um, it, or even if you don't, you're looking to, maybe you're on vacation and you want to try Pilates for the first time, call me. We'll do a private session. It's really fun. It's, it's, a journey in and of itself, you know? So yeah, call me, text me, email me, whatever. It's easy. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Anna. Uh, lots of great things going here. Uh, it was a pleasure here today. So for everybody listening out there, if you want to check out her facility, you got the website, you know the location, scope her out, take a class. If you're in the area, vacation, get some sweat on while you're doing it. Um, and if you want to be on our podcast at any time, click on the link below 
type in all your information. We'll reach out to you. We'll get you on. We'll have a great conversation. But until then, everybody, Jim Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.